This is WCPO FM 1051 on your FM dial, Cincinnati, Ohio. WKRC, Cincinnati. This is the nation station. Hi again, everyone, and welcome to the Cincy Shirts Podcast. It's episode 60. Today on our show, former Rusty Griswold, Birdhouse, Gravy 8, and current member of G Your Band Smells Terrific, Greg Martini. Well, right, we we came out with our CD, we were playing around town, and for like half a year, they had a version, a new jingle, Hey Skyline, you're still the one, and it was... Definitely our riff. We were actually playing out in, in, in clubs, and at some point, Jeff would go into the Skyline lyrics, and he couldn't miss a beat. So listen after the interview, and we will play the Skyline commercial from the mid-90s, and then a bit of the Birdhouse song, Wild Cherry. It's a crime song investigation. Stay tuned for that. Be sure to listen for the promo code at the end of the interview as well. So as always, you can use that to save 20% on your next Cincy shirts or oldschoolshirts.com order. So with all that out of the way, let's talk to a guy I've known for almost 25 years, Greg Martini. Cincinnati, Ohio. Cincinnati, Ohio. I come from C-I-N-C-I-N-N-A-T-I, Cincinnati. She came down from Cincinnati. Just maybe think of me once in a while. I'm in Cincinnati. What's weird is I have a vintage 1950 Crosley uh, shelter refrigerator I got from a guy just two doors down from here. Um, I don't know if he's still there. If you've seen this guy come out, he's, he's in a wheelchair. He's in, might not be a neighbor anymore. Yeah. But uh, he just was getting rid of it. I'm like, I'll take it. You wrote about that for Cincinnati Magazine. I think I did. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. Well, we got into... God, I forgot about that. I just contacted Justin Green to see if he's still alive. Um, he was the guy that did the artwork. And, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Do you know much about him? I think they got him to do an art, a article of mine. I did all the stuff that was supposed to be built in Cincinnati. Okay. never was. And it was, I had this nice article, and then Linda decided to turn it into a cartoon. Oh. And I'm like, yeah, fine. I'm glad I did all that work, and it turns into this, you know, sticky cartoon with all these did, uh, did he rewrite it at all i think linda did yeah. well justin's a writer too and you know we he may have I we collaborated on this thing that green martini he called it i didn't collaborate on nothing <laughs> <laughs> it was fun um yeah i could touch on that if you want uh, well we'll get to that yeah yeah well uh, speaking of cincinnati magazine we had uh john uh fox i saw that as i call foxy yeah and i've known him he's the only guy i've known in cincinnati longer than i've known you Okay. Yeah. So you, wow, you guys go way back. 1994, yeah. the release of Serendipity Do. Birdhouse. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Are we on right now? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, this is it. Hi. Okay. Sorry about that. Sneak right in. Yeah. Yeah. He'll Gosh. do the intro and all that stuff. Yep. Yep. That's kind of our thing. We just want to get you comfortable and okay. talking. Very Marin esque. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. Have a little Yeah, man. Marin. Right. Yeah. So you were Birdhouse. Right. What was that like? <laughs> <laughs> So I do have to apologize because I've got this flu going around, so I'm congested. Sure. The hearing's a little blown out, a little fuzzy. Sure. So uh, I do apologize. It That's happens. Fine. And I'll try to watch all Marin my ums. Well, my, my wife is a, uh, a Toastmaster, 
So she's taking me to task for when she hears me and I'm inserting ums. Oh, um, yeah, yeah. Um, um, so I'm going to try really hard not to do that. That's fine. I, I take, you take as many out in post. Most of them are mine. Okay. <laughs> so, so, yeah, nice, 1994, Birdhouse had been in business for quite a while when they released serendipity Do. Yes. We had started in 1989 uh, having... There I go. There's one. Having evolved <laughs> off of... Oh, I shouldn't mention that, but I guess Free Range, which was a cover band going into becoming an original band. Uh, we started at No Kills High School and... Got that out of the way. Very good. Yeah, yeah. And <laughs> we were actually band allies with the Menus, and they were enforced. We were kind of more the popular band, but as we segue into college life, they became much more the popular band because they're just... Much more about the party and course, yeah, yeah. Did they do originals or they were mo they were mostly a cover band. It was all covers. All covers, okay. Yeah, so we continued to play covers and all that, and then we started slipping in our own originals in the mid '80s. And in 1989, we all took a trip to LA. Jeff Abbott's sister lived out there in North Hollywood. We thought, well, if we're going to do this, and we were assembling originals and trying to figure out a name, we thought we should. At the time, you would go. You went to L.A. It wasn't like now; you could just be anywhere. Yeah. And you know, not that you want to deal these days, but um, so it took a, a fun two-week trip out there. I went for a week. The rest of the guys went for two weeks. I got out there, and they had already experienced. They'd been mugged at gunpoint. <laughs> oh my God! Had an earthquake. Almost got trapped in Tijuana due to some some legal issue. And they had a car in there. You never walk over. Don't take the car. It's probably different now. So what else happened? Because I, I got there and she had this little blackboard and they made this little pictogram of everything, all the <laughs> stuff that went down. So I skipped that and uh, that that was a great, great trip. If if for the only reason we met some really hot accountant women at the Tonight Show taping, which was in itself cool because he had Pee Wee Herman, Jay or Johnny. It was it was Jay at this point probably. Jay was actually still just filling in. Oh. So we had Ricardo Montalban and oh Pee Wee Herman. So was Johnny hosting or was it Jay? Wow. It, was, it was Jay hosting. It was Jay. Jeff's yeah. Okay. So really weird. And just to see Pee Wee there, and which was wow. really weird about Pee Wee. So they go to commercial and he just like shuts down. Like if you just let go of the strings of the marionette, he would just kind of go. <laughs> and people going, Pee Wee, Pee Wee. And he's kind of looking around, you know. But as soon as they came back, you know, he was, <laughs> you know, back in character. But. At the end of the row were these women, and they worked for uh, Warner Brothers Studios. And I, I didn't talk to them. We got back to the apartment. I said, what was that all about? Well, they worked for this studio, and they said, if we want a tour, just give them a call. I'm like, we're going to call them, right? Ah, <laughs> uh, nah. And I, never, I never met them. I said, give me the phone. I called them and set an appointment for like the next day. We met them at 9 o'clock, drove our car through the actual gates. Wow. Which was really cool. So they came out, and they're like, oh, we have a really busy day. Um, you guys look like grips. Just run around, meet us at the commissary at noon. Don't get into trouble, which we did. <laughs> so when people go to L.A. and go, did you see any stars? And they're like, eh, maybe. Oh, we saw so many. They were filming, dating myself horribly here, Ghostbusters 2 at the time. Oh, wow. Nice. We had, yeah, so we had no idea what the plot point was. Remember, we stumbled into... We still know what the plot is. <laughs> no, we don't. <laughs> we're still waiting. <laughs> yeah. Well, they were building the um, the set for the... Where they were in top of the, uh, the Statue of Liberty. So you walk in, there's this giant head. 
the Liberty, we're like, and you know, they have scripts on the wall. We're kind of trying to read things that looking like we don't belong there. And, uh, and you grab a paintbrush so, or something. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Who, Jeff, Tom? It, this is, um, Tom was in the band. It was Ken Fulham. So, quick addendum here, I guess, is Free Reigns eventually became the Rusty Griswolds. Oh, okay. In 99. So, what happened is, so we were Free Reigns. Ken, our bass player, wasn't really crazy about where the originals were going. He thought it was a little too wimpy. So he dropped out, and we got Tom in, okay. Tom DeCalvey. So at the time, it was myself, Eric Schuler, Jeff Abbott, John Shuddy, Tom DeCalvey. John Shuddy. I... Yes, who is the Reds organist, yes. as you know. Yes. And uh, the Rusties are not playing as much. Their, their lead, one lead guy moved to Nashville, so it's just like once every... Month or month or two, I guess. So I remember um, the Warner Brothers lost story. Go ahead. <laughs> oh no, that's all right. Um, I was just curious as to who was involved at this point because I know Tom yeah. and Jeff, but that's all. So it was Ken at the time. I actually flew out there with Ken, so we met up. And anyway, long story short, which is so cool, being on running around the sets. We went back to the western set you'd seen in so many TV shows and movies, and the lagoon from Gilligan's Island. And at noon, we meet them at the commissary, and it's just like. I went to the bathroom, boom, door opens, Charlie Sheen walks out, you see Dan Aykroyd <laughs> goes riding a bike past, I'm in line next to a bull from Night Court for uh, my, yeah, yeah. You know, like my slide my lunch tray. And yeah. So weird. Wow. So they're filming other stuff, or, I mean, the yeah, word, it's was a, Night it's Court? A, it's a day on the lot, yeah. Yeah, yeah Night we actually Second. broke into a Night Court reading, I went into a uh, restroom, and I saw a door in this entryway, and I opened it. It went right into the studio. I waved the other guys in, <laughs> and and they have it set out like, kind of like the continuity of the show. You had the judges' chambers, the hallway, the court, and then the lunchroom. And we sneak our heads in, and they're all down the very far end doing a table reading. It was just really cool. And I I, <laughs> I saw the. The cafeteria set up, and I'm looking. There's like drinks that are iced up, and I, I crawled underneath the bleachers around the wall, and I reached my hand, and it was actually iced up. They did kept it iced up, like huh. all, I thought that's oddly realistic. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So just a great trip, but we went out there. Decided it wasn't for us at the time. It was Guns and Roses, all these hair bands coming out, and mm-hmm. um, you know we knew we were kind of forging our path more down these very pop. In pop roads, I guess you say. So we got back, decided to change the name to Birdhouse. A week later, they might be Giants released a single Birdhouse, completely oh, so unrelated. It came before. Uh, wow. It, a week before, we were big fans. That was yeah, one yeah. thing. We we kind of opened our eyes to you could do anything you wanted to if you wanted to do that. Right. So I guess what I don't know. I was thinking about this and, and, and what we did. I mean, obviously, you know, the great pop roots in, in Cincinnati started with the Raisins, moving the Psychodots. So eventually we evolved in just the three of us, me, Tom, and Jeff. And, you know, we're just kind of doing our weird pop thing and at a time when grunge was hitting, exactly. right yeah, after yeah. the hair thing. And I yep. know we would go to Suds and set up our backdrop and play our silly songs and... Um, but uh, yeah, that's what we that's what we did. So yeah, so yeah, the out, CD came out in '95. Did the video. We had interest from Arista Records. I remember we sent a promo pack and we were contacted by this guy. We talked for 
course of a couple months, and he was always going to come out to a show. And then after six months, they decided to pass. They had someone like us in their stable. So disappointing, but... You know, we knew who that was, because I don't think... As far as the... Uh, as who the oh, the band. I, I looked through, I'm like, I don't see anyone no, that looks they, like us at all. They it's don't. just... <laughs> <laughs> Clearly they were lying. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was really weird, because I remember um, Hanson, the band, came out, and we did a... Uh, we did a music festival in Boston. It was the Boston Herald Kahlua Music Fest. We had a Friday night in in the um, oh, not Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. What's, what were the other chains? Hard Rock Cafe. Yeah. And we were in. There was a main stage up top. Great uh, rockabilly band from Nashville. I met those guys. were They were really cool. And we were playing in the in the basement. They had the Cavern Club recreated from Li- Liverpool, I guess. Mm-hmm. So we played there, but we noticed, you know, we're all around, like in our, how old were we back then? Early 30s, I guess, still giving it a go, and all these local kid bands. And, you know, we could see the suits there, thinking, what's going on? Oh, Hanson. They're just looking for the next little kid band, you uh-huh. know. Yeah. So, um, so that was that was fun and disappointing. It was fun to go to Boston, though. So, uh, And you'd entered the, uh, when Conan O'Brien took over the uh, late show, the late, late night uh, with David Letterman mm-hmm. came late night with Conan O'Brien. You entered a contest for that, didn't you guys? Which I had forgotten about until we talked recently. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I, how did we fare in that? Because I can't find well, I any the information. Press you yeah, sent tell me. them how they did, PF. Uh, you guys got T-shirts. Because <laughs> you sent me... A, what, I reviewed the CD for Everybody's News. I'd become the music editor. Yes. And well, thank you so much for interviewing us. And again, people thought I was insane. Because <laughs> at, even in town at the time, people like the Rottweilers and... Porterhouse and these rock bands were, right. you know, and here come these this trio with their silly songs. Would great, by the way. Well, Twenty one songs, not a dud in the lot. <laughs> and uh, even left some off from the old days, yeah. like Charlotte the Harlot, and oh, great stuff. Yeah, thanks. Jeff gave me the cassettes of those actually, so I have this in my garage oh. somewhere. But if we need another one, I've just, got them all. The album just forced me like digital yet? Twenty. <laughs> not gonna, I should digitize those. I have the CD of Serendipity Do still. Yep. But um, which and we'll I'll choose a song for the playout for the interview. But okay. um. Yeah, and the, the 21 songs not a dud in the lot. I was astonished at how good it was. And the production really good on it, too. Who produced that? We did that... Oh, boy. It was over in northern Kentucky somewhere, wasn't it? I wonder if we did that at my friend Doug's studio. Um, I know when I joined Forces with Doug, we recorded uh, Gravy 8 stuff there. We did some of it in a studio in Clifton near Freeze Cafe... It's kind of scattered. We actually got a little deal from Sound Images Recording Studio. He he. Oh yeah, yeah. Gave us some free time, so we recorded there. Yeah, good question. Interesting about so, yeah the. Do you remember the whole skyline thing? No. So one of our songs was Wild Cherry, and for a while there, Skyline, which recorded at Sound Images, and I'm not not saying what happened, but. So that was kind of our, okay. <laughs> was kind of our single. Yeah. And the next thing you know, so Skyline Time still has the with the old teardrop song. Oh yeah, it's, yeah. They do that for years. Yeah. yeah. Well, right. We we came out with our CD. We we're playing around town, and for like half a year, they had a version, a new, a new, a new jingle. Hey Skyline, you're still the one. And it was definitely our riff. Oh. And we would actually play our. Gee. We were actually play out in, in in clubs, and at some point Jeff would go into the Skyline lyrics, and you couldn't miss a beat. 
Wow. So, so I never yeah, talked really? to the guy in the studio, like, you know, wow. did Scully come in? And he's like, hey, well, I work with this band, and it's kind of a nice little riff. And uh, But, uh, yeah, I should try to look that up. That was interesting. Wow. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. So, anyway. So that was a long time ago. Yes, it was. So does that exist anywhere? Is that on YouTube or... Uh, Wild Cherry videos. Can, uh, you can find that. Yeah, that's, that's still... That's still out there. Floating around. Yeah. Um, definitely. It was an interesting video. That's... What got me into directing, um, which is something I do every now and then in my day job, and we were fortunate to snag Jeff Barklage, local cinematographer extraordinaire, who's <clears throat> kind of the go-to when film crews come to town, they need like a second unit, and he's done videos for Over the Rhine and all kinds of um, and bands. So he was available and just lent us his, his camera and his DP skills. <laughs> Which was great, which made me very nervous, though, because I'm working with this guy who was very seasoned at the time and doing this silly song. And But I had it all storyboarded out. I remember I took a trip to Ocracoke and on the, on the ferry right over, just like, you know, oh, this part, we could do this and that. And my father-in-law at the time had just bought Lama Dom's strip club. It was adjacent to a legitimate property he ran, a business and property that he ran and owned. And it was available for an interior... You know, they, they had done something wrong, closed it. We went in one day, it's like, turn the lights on, you know, napkins still in place, everything. So we <laughs> so we just, uh, for half the shoot, we did a weekend. So one day was at La Madame's, and we went up the street to another working dance club and um, enticed a young lady down to come join us on the the runway here and there so the only thing i remember from the video because i haven't seen it in years is the line uh will be behind bars as abbott serving up a big mixed drink yes yeah yeah that's the yeah. Only, but i'll have to go back and watch it we'll, was we'll, it we'll put that on the blog post when yeah. this episode drops it was it was again reflective of just the silliness a little bit of that the old monkeys terms video yeah. and it just running around at fast speed and it wasn't really a song of substance. It was, I guess, a song about just sexual free will. There you go. If you will. <laughs> so, anyway. That was every song back then, right? Pretty right. much. Although we wrote about all kinds of weird things. So, yeah. Well, that's cool. You're in the era where they actually made videos and probably, yeah. you know, had the chance of showing it on TV <clears throat> or... Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that that song was actually released as a single according to this other record company we had. We put it out on a, um, what was it? Actually, a phonograph single which at the time wasn't weird, which now is very much in vogue. Um, it was apparently a national release, but uh, it was very iffy deal. So we thought, oh, let's put a video to that and see where, where it goes. So anyway, that's that. Yeah, as I recall, you guys got you know, you got t-shirts from Conan and finished like, you finished out of the money, but still got like, yeah. you finished really high up in it. We were like in the top 20? Something like that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Which I, 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 I don't know. The, the press release was hilarious. You used to send out. I, <laughs> I assume you were behind that. I was. Yeah, yeah. It was uh, funny stuff. And I, uh, so I ended up meeting you guys at some restaurant, like in Marymount or something, or Milford, it might have been. It was down the street from where I was living. Oh, do we so meet you, the... you, Jeff, and Tom, and interviewed you guys. Was it the Dilly Deli? Might have been. Sounds familiar. Hmm. Yeah, I'm not and, sure and, where in Milford that would have been. And you guys seem subtly baffled as to why everybody's news wanted to even talk to you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which I thought was amazing. <laughs> I'm like, what are you kidding? Well, you just, you just never know. And, you know, I, I, I've i always just kind of, like, written and made music. I do what I like. Yeah. That's really the best way to do it. Um, you know, my son's actually now prominent in the scene. He's 20. He's at UC. 
and he's in a, uh, I guess you'd call a harder rock band called Vandalia. Kind of in this emo rock thing, but a little more straightforward. And he's just writing what he wants to. And he was kind of balking at trying to like get his stuff licensed because I said, you got a couple songs here that could get picked up, like background to TV shows and whatnot. Oh, yeah, yeah. He's like, oh, but they're all you very could... personal. And oh, I said, well, oh, geez. <laughs> yeah. I'm gonna put you These to kids today with their personal. <laughs> yeah. So if you're going to put it out there, put it out there. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, now that, that was a, a fun time. And, and obviously continued it into other things. And then things just stopped. <laughs> so you had a, your day job at this point. I know you'd kind of need to know what else you did be besides being in a pop band. Um, at that was, point, yeah, yeah. What was I doing back then? I was getting into the marketing and branding business. So at that point, I think I was an illustrator's representative. Oh, um, so you, the office building where the scooter was. Yeah. On um, 8th and Main. 7th. Eight, oh, 8th. It's 8th? 8th and Main. 8th and Main, yeah. Yep. So I basically had a cadre of illustrators from the area, the region, some across the country that I represent all the branding companies, and it was basically a sales job. But it got me in the door, and I could see all the creative process and how things were going. And um, so eventually I left that and joined a client on the account side, hated it went through some family issues and decided I need to do what I really want to do. And I happened into a meeting with, let's just call him Bob. And he was a VP <laughs> at Northlick, a writer, super nice guy. Not sure he's still in the business or not. Oh, I think we were talking about him before you came. Yeah. 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 And I went in on a mistaken, I thought it was like a junior writer position and they were looking for someone senior, but he talked to me and and he told me, yeah, you can do this. We come from all walks of life, as you yeah, know, yeah. PF. You know, we've right. got a guy from, he used to be a lobbyist, someone actually is a journalist. My, my actual degree was in marketing. So I thought, okay, that, that'll work. And, and he had read my stuff. I said, how? He goes, well, and he actually had a, had a birdhouse CD. <laughs> I'm like, oh, there there I'm a bit of a fan. I go, oh, that's cool. Oh, yeah. All right, yeah. So, <laughs> so I, I got into uh, being a copywriter and that's where things went and kind of where I'm at right now. I'll do, I wear more hats than that in terms sure. of what I need to do. Um, so, yeah, so that's what it did at the time was hawk an illustration. When you could hawk illustration and it wasn't, there wasn't the stock thing that there is now. And that, yeah, that was, I was going to say, the, the reps yeah. don't exist hardly anymore. It's like Only, only the high-tier ones, like, like uh, C.F. Payne lives here in town. Wait, we had him on the show a couple weeks ago. Yeah, she did. Yeah. Lauren Long. Lauren Long, he's the king of the kitty world. So they still have their reps in, in New York, you know. So it's still a legitimate thing, but not around here. I think just one in Dayton, Scott Hall and Associates, I believe. So he's still doing it. So what happened to the Rusties? But how does it branch off from the Rusties okay. and the Birdhouse and the... I... Okay. <laughs> so, music history, yes. folks. So when Tom moved to Texas in 97, Jeff and I talked about continuing Birdhouse now down to like more than be giant sized and that wasn't going to work out um i could get into it but it came down to really he was doing most of the writing yeah and i just asked him well pick up the promotional aspect of this i've been doing it all and really you're the one that's going to gain and i i said i'll continue doing it but i want to i kind of want a cut of what you might get and we had a disagreement about that and decided, all right, well, then 
go ahead and just continue things and you can keep marketing things and let me know how things go and things kind of ended there and um, it, it wasn't well, it didn't end on bad terms, just didn't end on the best terms, let's put it that way. So that's 97. I started, which led into Gravy 8, which is a band I was in in the early 2000s to like 2000, 2004. I met Doug Staub, who was in Porterhouse. Yep. And he had done some recording with us, and I thought uh, he seemed like a nice guy and sane and all that. So we. <laughs> We started that at the, about the same time in 99, Steve of the Rusties, his wife, well, actually, girlfriend at the time, who became his wife at the time, <laughs> was working at the Silverton Cafe, and my wife at the time, how many times can I say at the time, <laughs> was working there, and we would meet and, and talk, and, and at some, some point it came up with the idea of like, you know, we should really just get the old... 80s set list out and just for the fun of it and we called the rest of the guys in the band which included Kenny on bass um, and we did that we started playing at the Silverton Cafe and then no one was really doing anything in the 80s um, at that time like a thousand bands are right now so we did that and rolled that over into playing at some other clubs one in Montgomery the one the one club right outside uh, Go Bananas it's been there forever. Oh, yeah. It was, it was McLeavy's, and now yeah. it's something Sneaky else. Pete's Sneaky Pete's. Sneaky Pete's. Yeah. It's McLeavy's now, and it was Sneaky Pete's. It's been, yeah, 10 days so, over the years. So, great yeah. story about playing there involves David Attell. Oh, boy. Uh. Yeah. So, he was performing. We got to be playing there, like, every month. And he was performing. And after a show, he came over. He was sitting there. Going, and at the time, he had David Attell. It was that series where we would stay up all night, up all night with yeah. David Attell. Yeah, yeah. Insomniac. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And I'm going, oh, it's David Tell. That's so weird. So prior to him coming in, there was a young lady who'd walked in, was very striking. And if you're in a band and you've got a secret way of communicating, you know, it's like, eh, mm, mm, you know, and you gesture. And so we'd kind of singled <laughs> her out, like, just being guys, you know. <laughs> uh, married, upstanding, but just, you know, being in, in the guy away. So Tell walks in. And before you know, but then the night, there's a tell with our girl. We're like, no, no, no. <laughs> and uh, She's ours. Yes, yes. Even though none of us <laughs> talked to her and, and all that. But uh, so we're unloading through the night and we're taking her stuff out. And one guy comes in. He goes, Atel's got her on the hood of her car with her top off. So we all go running <laughs> out. And they had already taken off into the sunset. So David Tell. Stole your girl that wasn't even not girl. not our girl, but right. just yeah, yeah. you know parking lot and go bananas. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> not that, he's not the, not the most attractive man, but he's got must have some kind of charisma, obviously. So yeah, he's funny, yeah. funny dude. There you, yeah, yeah. That's make yeah. girls laugh. That's what. Yeah, that's the way you do it. Yeah, <laughs> you go. So that's that's how the rushes began. We started playing downtown at what used to be uh, Jefferson Hall uh, on Main Street prior to no, was this after the rights? Rights were 99? 2000. 2000-ish, yeah. Yeah, so it was just after that, and things started to pick up. So I was with him a couple years, and I was doing Gravy 8, and it was just getting a little tough going to these huge crowds at, you know, the Rusties and doing my original thing and, like, doing okay, but... And I had little kids at the time, and I just... I bowed out. So the guy that took over and the drummer's friend was in it for much longer 
and his name is also Greg, which is weird. So, uh, so that's that's my rusty experience. Which so, good. I was gonna say now it's like one of those '60s bands where there's no original members left. Are there? Ah, uh, you you've, well, you've got John, Eric, and Ken. Right. That's it. Yeah, new drummer, new guitar player. Is that right? Yeah, because Richie came in, took over for Jeff, and he's out and about. He's from California. He's doing his own thing somewhere now, so yeah. So I'm not really sure what they're up to. We don't keep in touch too much. Yeah. You know, so... Um, You're from Jeff at all? Uh, no. No. I do not hear from Jeff. Hmm. And didn't leave... I the band on good terms or rusties. It's, let's just let's go that we, route. We we heard the tea, we cut it out. <laughs> yeah. episode. Someone else spilled the tea. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Yeah. So uh you know, unfortunately it's one of those decisions where you had to pick a side. It's like, yeah, yeah. well I things happen uh, and Yeah, yeah. So I would say until Jeff and another individual actually decide they're going to put the path behind them, then fortunately I have to stick uh, to my side. Yeah, yeah. I did that see, makes sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I did see a sister at a funeral recently. It was nice talking to her, and we, I got caught up. He's remarried. He's got two more kids and still in the whammies. And, in fact, in the 70s showcase band I'm in now, Gear Band smells terrific, we actually got our new female lead from the whammies and our female lead joined them for a while it's kind of weird traded lead singer yeah so how did where does G or band come in because is that after the kids are a little grown and you got again or because this happened as I was transitioning from a married dude to a single dude Richie from the Rusties ran me up or something and said hey man Mm -hmm. he's from Cali (laughs) what do you think about starting a disco band and I said well why don't we just do a full fledged (laughs) 70s band and do like a a rusty spin off so he was in it for a couple months and then the travel deal with him living in Springfield coming out for the Rusty's gigs coming out for our practice and all that so uh, we were together about half a year and premiered at uh, Taste of Cincinnati so that's that's just a band made of people mostly whom I didn't know at the time. Um, we did start off with, with Tom from Birdhouse, oh. and he dropped out. And in fact, I think he started a new band with his current wife, who was actually our first keyboard player. And then she dropped out. And like within weeks of playing Taste, we had a new keyboard player, and he's been with us the whole time. So what year is this? This is uh, 2010. Okay. That's been a long time. I was going to say, it's been a while since. God. So you guys have to play at the Belterra you've played and all over. Yeah, Yeah, we're we're basically doing all the summer festivals and whatnot. We stick a lot to Northern Kentucky for some reason. Um, So, yeah, and just... The places where a cover band can really play on a a bigger scale are, are very limited these days. There's a place called the venue out in like the Fields Riddle area, which is you got your naked karate girls, you got all those kind of bands. We're a little different in that we don't put on that kind of show with a lot of antics. We kind of discussed having actually more of a choreographed show, but we're really mostly just about the antics that come out of the songs. We we stick to the original, 
<clears throat> recording of the songs and you know to the attitude of the 70s where we wear the we don't wear the costumes we wear actual clothes for the most part so um which is always a little weird i was at a gig recently and my college girlfriend was there with her husband and her two friends from when we were dating back in college and so she invites me over to the table and i'm just so cognizant that i'm in my ridiculous 70s outfit <laughs> talking to them but uh but they were there to see the you band can't really just turn it so off where do you get actual no. 70s clothes is it like uh talk of the town okay so these are proper seven not, not recreations these are proper no 70s. these are the real deal for the most part uh talk of the town out you in Reading. some shirts to wear yeah. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. You know. Yeah. There you go. I see a lovely KRP in Cincinnati shirt. Yeah, That'd yeah. be awesome. <laughs> That'd be I, I, I'm the only one that really sports t-shirts in the band. I, I've got a vintage, what's the Tootsie Pop owl? Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. I've got Beaker. I've got... And you, you kind of play a character, nice. don't you? Bobby Dingo? Yeah, is that, I'm, is that... I'm Bobby Dingo. I wear Dingo boots. Uh-huh. And I thought, I like Bobby Dingo. I thought I might do an Australian bit, and I did it for a while, but a little tough keeping that up the whole night. It is, yeah, yeah. People and I forget. Yeah, I tried doing that once at my buddy's school. Yeah. I went up there for spring break and said, you know what, I'll be English for the week. Right. Really, really hard to do. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It worked for a while, but I think it started, the accent started to slip and people got suspicious. But, man, it was it was tough to keep it going, I'll tell you. Uh, my wife and I were up top of the... What's the hotel with the rooftop overlooks downtown, the river? It's the new one, the Renaissance or something. For whatever reason, I decided to start talking to her in an English accent, and these ladies overheard us, and they became very intrigued <laughs> by me and where I was from, and I did it for about 20 minutes, and then I just confessed. They were <laughs> pissed. <laughs> Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. Yeah. I know the thing with the Australian accent, it's twangier than the British accent. Yeah. That's the one thing you have to Yeah. It's it, it's harder. Yeah, it is, yeah. It is. Even though, I don't know, there's probably different regions of, you know, you talk English accent, are you, you know, are you Lilliputian or are you, like, proper English? I can usually you? tell, um, yeah. on for the UK, but then, like, well, South Africans fool me. I had a kid in one of my uh, comedy writing classes. I thought his dad was from, like, the Midlands, and then his... Mom picked him up one day. She's Irish. She goes, oh, I married a South African. I'm like, oh, gay okay, fooled me. I wasn't even close. God, that's a weird comment. Dude sounded like, exactly like Sting. I figured he's from the Midlands, clearly. Oh, nope, yeah. South Africa. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, so that, there you um, have it. Yep. So tell us about, like, okay, so you're in a band where you're writing your own <clears throat> original music, and then you also uh, had success in a cover band. So what, what was more satisfying, like playing in front of 10 people with your original stuff or, like, bringing the house down, playing the cover band's? Ten people in original. Yeah. Clearly. And that's It got frustrating. Did you ever feel like you were cheating as far as the, the cover band goes? Or, I, mean, I, I mean, yeah, you guys had a lot of fun and you know, created a huge name and yeah. I'm sure had some awesome... I'm not, I'm not dogging on that. No, but, it, uh, it, it was a lot of fun to play to the crowds. It got to the point, though, there were some younger... We're starting to get like the younger... The college kids were coming up to see us. So, so this is the... Early, like say 90 so I guess stuff they would listen to when they were kids or something I remember running a couple of these younger kids who actually thought we were like the original artist for some of these songs I'm like we're a cover band do you understand this play them all yeah it was kind of bewildering and then I started to see the crowd in a different light and great people but clearly they're at a party drink hard and if you didn't go along with that sometimes, 
it, the night can be kind of rough. You mm. know, it's a long night. Um, but but it, it 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 was fun. But yeah, definitely contrast and go to the original gig and you know, twenty people. We we had a good run with gravy. Eight, I would say even with Birdhouse, we were you know up there top ten. I think CD local CDs for the year each. And Gravy, we were nominated for New Artists Year by City Beat or uh, Cincinnati Entertainment Awards at the time, I think. Oh yeah, yeah. So which was nice, you know, yeah. coming out of the gate, you know, of course that's the new band artist or category. So got some great write-ups, mm, and then again, just kind of I don't know what happened to that. We, I don't know. It, it, it was fun. I, I liked what we did for for that group. I kind of laid back and let the other guys kind of more produce things how we sounded and it was a little more straight ahead power pop which was fun but then uh, like most things too it just stopped I don't know why <laughs> bewildered to this day people Bobby. get older and then families get in the way sure. yeah 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 can't really quite recall what happened there but uh, I don't know so I'm here and I'm Starting something new uh, with, I don't know if you remember the band Swarthy. I don't th- we talked about something you do. Mm-hmm. No. They were playing with us back in the 2000s when things were, um, who else were, were the bands back then? We're all kind of mixing it up. And Swarthy was fronted by a very charismatic guy named Brian Love. Oh, yeah, I've heard of him. Yeah, he just, a uh, little guy, big spectacles. Did he have another band? Or did he? Swarthy's the only one I knew, hmm. and I maybe I'm mixing up with somebody else. Yeah, I don't know, but I've run to him the past couple of years. We're talking about old times. He had moved away, came back, and we decided we're going to try something out with uh, the bass player from Cheater Band. Is volunteered to be in it, and we talked to Doug, actually from Gravy Eight. So we're still trying to see who's still all interested, but it's mainly still Brian and me, and. He's thrown some demos my way. Now it's my turn to throw it back, and I've just been busy. But we've got a name, and we're going to be called the Poppycocks. There you go. Which is really weird, because Alan, the 70s band, started a, his uh, another original band. They're called the Poppy Fields, and completely unrelated. Like, we picked our name, and I asked out a Poppy Fields. Well, that's weird. Just kind of strange. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's so like, uh, what's the plan? I mean, it'll be a lot easier now to, like, record stuff because you can do it all. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And yeah. And uh, my son's in digital media, and he's done his, his whole EP. He's recorded it, produced it, mastered it. So well, we're going to turn to him, you know. There you go. Yeah. In fact, he's expressed interest in being in the band. Wow. Which would be kind of fun. There you, you go. Know? I don't want to be one of those, and hey, this is my son yeah. back there keeping <laughs> well, us hip. Al Jardine's son tours with the Brian Wilson band, so he does all the high parts that oh, okay. Brian can't do anymore. Right, right, really right. Good. Yeah. 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 Yeah, yeah. So well, there's nothing wrong with that. Not unprecedented, no, not Yeah. So uh so it's kind of this weird spot in my life where I'm giving it this one more go. And uh you know, it's it's interesting because I've seen music coming out. From, from everywhere, older people, younger, the weirdest things. You got gorillas, which is just basically a cartoon. Yeah. yeah. I figured if we don't look like we have the appeal, we can just mask ourselves behind some geo filter or something, whatever. I don't know. Yeah. So, uh, so we'll see. One more go. 
And uh, oh, the one thing I want to ask you about because you you famously lived in a church. I did. Yeah, and I was at a, a job one time. I was doing a temp job at Fifth Third, and we were ta- in a meeting, and the, this guy says, "Oh, I know this guy that bought a church," and I'm like, "Who was that guy? his name?" Greg. I don't remember the dude's name, but his um, I think is you were friends with his wife actually, and I said, "I know that dude." Yeah, yeah. Maybe this is why I quit the band because the time we had bought this church, my wife at the time. So in Oakley Square, if you go up 34th, like just northeast of the action, you'll go two doors on 34th, and then there's a church just yeah. like right in the it's middle. Kind of behind the square. It, it is behind yeah. the square. Yeah, yeah. So we were we had one kid at a time. We're driving around. We we're considering going out to you know one of the school districts, and uh, came across a church. And we've always liked the appeal of living in a commercial building and. Put in a bid, got it. Her dad was kind of a real estate guy around town, and he helped us out a little bit. And in fact, one of the her sister's boyfriends was a uh, one of those. What's what are those shows out there? They have the super homes every year, uh, the big exhibits of houses. Oh, like the House of Ramas. They have yeah, 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 yeah. On he's, a regular scale. Yeah, he's one of these builders, and he helped us out to so convert a church and lived there for gosh, I guess. How long was that? Uh, to about 2010, 1999, yeah. A good while, so yeah. Yes, and it musically, it figured in importantly in a way. I don't know if you about the new, know about the movie that filmed there. No. So, put it in the, on, on the market when uh, my wife and I were, were splitting up. Had two deals that fell through. We were actually going to sell to... Um, boy, I'm just off my... Off my chum today. <laughs> uh, the guy that owns Habits and, and does the 20th Century. His name oh, okay. me yeah. at the time. But finally, we got a seller for it. And so I'm going to the closing, and I was just leaving my current wife. She was She's a fitness trainer. We weren't married yet, but I was going to the closing, not real enthused about, and we got an okay deal. But we were just getting out. Don't buy a church. So... Um, <laughs> So I'm on I'm on the road and I get a call from the film commission and they're and this is what 2014 I guess and they're like hi do you still own that church I go I'm thinking looking at my watch ah uh, yeah for about ten more minutes I'm going to the closing oh well Don Cheadle's coming in in town tomorrow and he and his gr- group want to come see it for a movie and he was getting ready to film Miles Ahead the Miles Davis biopic. Miles Davis apparently lived in a church. Didn't know that. There you go. Wow. So I got a closing, and I'm grumbling, and I got this number, and I'm looking at the guy who bought it, buying it, and I'm sitting across from him. I'm thinking, I just figured they'll get a hold of him at some point. So I slid the number across, and uh, he called him, and they filmed there for like, like they, the family had to move out three months, and they filmed there wow. for about a month, and they did a buttload of renovations that they were allowed to keep, which really checked my ass. Oh, man. <laughs> yeah. Wow. I mean, you know, what goes around comes around. Oh, jeez. So, <laughs> so when I left there, I was looking for a two-family for my dad, who's older, and uh, my mom at the time was in hospice for, like, forever. So I moved it into the square temporarily with my two sons who I had you know, every other week. So while I'm living there, of course, they're filming, and I can see the lights at night, and 
Um, my ex-wife's in the film business. She actually went for a tour of it with one of my sons, and she's like, "Just I'll go check it out." So I walked down the block, and I didn't know Ian Ewan McGregor was in the film because he's standing on the porch where I would come <laughs> out with my coffee. I'm like, <laughs> and he's just, and there's like apparently no security. And I remember thinking, not that I have a malicious bent towards him, I thought I could right pop him on the nose. <laughs> so. I walk up and down. Anyway, that's that. The trailer comes out. The scene they were filming, the day I walked by when I thought, I said, oh, I could just punch him in the nose, was when Miles Davis punches Ewan McGregor's character in the nose. Isn't that weird? Wow. <laughs> yeah, there's a scene where Ewan McGregor's playing a Rolling Stone interview, and he comes, and he's at the door. He goes, hi. And, and Miles Davis says, hey, could you step back a bit? He goes, oh, yeah. And he steps back. And he goes, thanks. Pop. He lines him up for the shot. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I just thought that was odd that I would think that, and that's what was happening. Did I make it happen? I that's don't know. Awesome. Yeah. Crazy. <laughs> but yeah, so that was my time in the church, and we were on a couple H, we were on the HDTV, HGTV show. and. Oh, really? I didn't know that either. Yeah, it was... This old church? No. <laughs> this old pilot. Church um, Yeah. <laughs> it, it was a what, what you get for the money, and they would oh. take a, a property, they had like an... The same amount of money, Atlanta, which you get. And like in Cincinnati, this church, blah, blah, blah. And so this crew came in from Denver and uh, and filmed there for about a day with us. So, yeah. What was the show called? I gotta look this up. What you get for the money. I don't huh. think it's on anymore. I make a big fun in the HGTV archives. Yeah. I My think friends it, in California run House Hunters. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, yeah. So. That's not. That's a show I didn't mind watching. My, my wife at the time it. still love it. Loved The Bachelor, and I think she still does. And her and her new husband watch it, and I, I don't know if he actually acquiesces to watching it willingly. But I think he does like it. But uh, oh, I hate watching that show, and it's like you know this this little twenty something couple, and they're like, oh, what's your budget? And they're like, oh, one point yeah, five yeah, million. Yeah, yeah, my, yeah. And it's like, come on, I'm a, I'm right. a dog groomer, and <laughs> yeah. my husband, they have these. <clears throat> Career that like you can't possibly have that kind of money. But. <laughs> yeah, they're out there. Yeah, I got to find out from my friends. My daughter found out. She goes, "We well, you know they say it in the fine print that the the deal's already done on the show. That they're just going out to look at these houses for show." Oh, I, I see. Think that's true. I think my friends actually were looking. They were out in the um, uh, the high desert out San Bernardino that area looking mm -hmm. for because they're moving from Pittsburgh. And uh, I know a guy that I interviewed with at Frontgate for a job. Uh, told me we were in some small talk, and he his buddy was on House Hunters International, mm -hmm. and he said, "Well, my buddy really was looking for a house in Costa Rica, but he had it narrowed down to two. They just threw in a third one because they needed three. Right. So like I mean, there was, it wasn't completely uh, fudged, but yeah, yeah, yeah. Man. TV magic behind the curtain. There you go. Right. Well, oddly enough, while I was living in this apartment in the square, where all this church filming business going on, I my son and I actually qualified we made the cut to be in a reality show that was about let's see single parents and their teenage kids all vacationing on an island somewhere yeah. and it said oh yeah the deal's done or set it's going to be on one of the networks and and we went through a couple rounds of interviews and how did you audition what how did you find that i i dabble in a little acting yeah. I, and i think i was with uh, one of the local agencies, and you know, oh, okay. where I, I go out for commercials. When yeah, I yeah. when I get the call for a dad role, and obviously, I don't think I kind of look as dadish as most people want me to look. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I got involved with 
uh, castingnet.com or something in. They put the call out. I We submitted our form and did an interview in, actually in our apartment. And uh, But eventually they, worked, they decided not to produce the... Uh, there's so many ideas that go around. And oh, yeah. It gets so far to the point where they had a time we were going to be going away in the middle of the summer for a month. And I was dating my wife at the time. And she was really upset that I was going to be this single guy. You know, they wanted to see what crazy things are going to happen with these single parents and, and maybe with the teenagers. And I said, I'm going to go. I'm going to be the guy with the girlfriend. Trust me, everything's fine. <laughs> so she was relieved when it didn't pan out. So, uh -huh. yeah. <laughs> so, with so yeah. junior band now, you're, you're also the manager, sort of, that I see? So I, I think it's I manage the, the Facebook page. Oh, I see. We don't have a manager, but I started the band. So I was more involved in... in I guess more management things. I was doing booking originally, trying to mold a concept, and I really wanted to have a lot of comedic bits. And I wanted this thing to go from like, ba-doom, 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 little side things, really play up the culture. And with the personnel that we had at the time and now, just that really wasn't their comfort zone, and we just kind of turned more of this hardcore dance band, I suppose. So... I'm sorry, I lost track of the question. Oh, it's the uh, flu. managing the band. Oh, yeah, yeah. How you? Yeah, yeah. So I've since things have been delegated. Like uh, one person is booking, one person does kind okay. of the books. I'm social media and marketing with um, with our, our lead male, who's a great design director in the branding world, which is great to have him because he brings a lot. So uh, we have a video we've been trying to get out for a while. I hope that's going to come out sooner than later. So A, a cover, uh, obviously, or is it a... It's it just we, uh, a melange of songs, oh, okay. and we just got to put them into an audio file that, you know, it's like any promo you, you'd see. We kind of base it off. There's a actually very popular 80s band. I want to say they're kind of franchise out. They're called the Spasmatics out of Chicago, but they've got, like, their own spinoff, like, in Texas. And they do the '80s thing. They they just dress like a bunch of nerds, but they come out and they really rock it. Huh? Yeah, yeah. So there's two different spasmatic. There are bands? at least two. There might be three. There might be an LA version now. Huh? Which is a great if you can run with something like that. I always thought the Rusties were going to get in trouble from Universal Studios yeah. because of the National Lampoon franchise. Right, right. I see Griswold. Yeah. No. Never heard, never heard of Peep. No. no. Not that I know of. Shocked. Do you guys have to pay any, pay any like royalties to the artists, that, or is it all just because live music? It's like oh, you mean like that, is there any kind of yeah, that is up licensing to, deal? Yeah, you're supposed you're sup you're supposed to. <laughs> it's actually up to the venue. That's what I thought. In yeah. fact, uh, unfortunately, the Pirates Den in Western Hills, I guess they got hit because they weren't paying. They actually were paying their BMI and ASCAP. But there's a third one now I wasn't aware oh. of that they weren't paying and they got into trouble. So it's up to the venue, huh. which is kind of weird, I think. But that's how, like, I do trivia, and that's how the we're supposed to play songs between the questions, and that's how they get away with it because the venue is responsible for playing right. ASCAP and BMI, and I'm not 100% sure that's happening in 100% of the cases. Wow. I, I, yeah. Since he shirts, retail stores are legit. Are legit, yeah, yeah. that's right. Well, and I'm that's... sitting here, and it's Almost a fine... Almost found out the hard way. But... <laughs> it looks upstanding as all can be. So Peloton got got slapped with a $150 million <clears throat> lawsuit from, like, Drake and, uh, I don't know, Lady Gaga and all that stuff, because, like, 
Who's Peloton? It's Back like me up. it's like the uh, the spinning app, the fitness app. Oh. They see advertised they have like the five million dollar spin bikes. Right. And you know you, you they were watch, just using their music. Yeah, like they you know they have like live DJ rides and they you know you, you the guys barking at you but yeah oh yeah yeah music in the there's background. a couple of these things yeah so so apparently I don't I don't know if all their stuff wasn't approved or not but <laughs> <laughs> you go one way or the other you know. Yeah, I'm either gonna do it right or not. They're like, oh yeah, 150 million. <laughs> okay. So when you do a festival wow. or something, Those bikes like, aren't getting any cheaper. Like taste? No, or they're not. <laughs> no, it, the uh, the it's the up to the festival to pay the. Yep. I figured it was the. Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There you go. Not our problem, do, man. Do you ever see the G's doing anything original, like doing a, a 70s inspired song? Like, if you guys ever come up with something, said, hey, we should come up with our own kind of like either disco-y song or. We talked about it. In fact, uh, Al who's our lead male, and he's the one in uh, the Poppy Fields who's started and play out and about now, was actually writing something, and it just didn't go that route. And we're just sticking to really what we do. Just the, My thing is trying to work in s- more songs that just are maybe less well-known. And what I'm trying to convince the band about, and it's been a little tough, I have to say. I said, you know, since Guardians of the Galaxy came out, the 70s have blown up. I mean, that soundtrack was the number one album, if you will, when it came out. Not just soundtrack. And you can tell amongst the younger demographic, like, when we played the songs from that, like, we played at Bachfest, and they recognize it, you know. Now, they're not the biggest dance songs, but we started playing Escape, the Pina Colada song, and it was like, Wah! you know. Yeah, yeah. It's a little that old Rusty's kind of come back. That's cool. We had to play some deep cuts. Yeah, well, you know, I'm actually playing songs that... If anyone comes out and remembers them from their day, they're, they're old, older. You yeah. know, I was a little kid, so I remember this stuff. But but it's like anything else. It's like it, it it's just a genre that you you know. And now we've got the whole Queen movie, and of course that's you know. Yeah, I'm not a big '70s guy, but the stuff I do like, I like a lot. And uh, one thing I like to listen to is the American Top 40 reruns. Oh yeah. And the best time to listen, <clears throat> the bottom of the countdown. Because they have to play what was in the chart then. Oh, even right. Even though 103.5 will never play those songs right. ever. They have to play because they ended up in the charts. You get all kinds of great obscure stuff from when you were a kid. I would say from like 40 to into the 20s, it's it's, it's, it's a gold mine. I've heard stuff. I, I, I'm going, I haven't heard this song since 1978. Yeah, yeah. And I'd forgotten about it because like, it was like chart of 25. Right? You yeah. Know, and they don't, like, they don't yeah. bother. Yeah. Remember yeah. Right where you were. Yeah. So, Bachfest, you brought that up. Yeah. Your involvement in that. I have been involved in Bachfest from the very beginning when I was an illustrator's rep. Jim Effler was one of the co owners of Air Studio at the time. Uh, he and Dave Miller, who's another well known illustrator about town, he's back in town. And Jim had started doing the posters back then. He, I think maybe there was. One he didn't do, but we got on board with uh, Jim Tarbelt Arnold's. He was, if you remember, he's trying to he was backing the ball field to be where the right. casino is now. Yeah, yeah. And Jim Effler did the poster that was around that idea. <clears throat> so I just got involved with Bachfest just through you know the very beginning. Like I remember going to the first down the, the first parade. It ended up at Saint whatever the hell it is, the, the big church and over the Rhine, and they we marched in. They blessed the beer there. They had goats in there. And, and they did that for a while to the church. I it was a little too much fun. <laughs> and now they bless the 
the Bachfest barrel at Bachfest Hall, but still by the same monk. I think he's been doing it all this time, I believe. So yeah. yeah it's such a cool event. It is. It's is it hard to describe it to people who have no idea? Oh yeah. And there's those two guys that were judging uh, the Sausage Queen Fest with me. They're from San Francisco. And they're they're they, this is their like third year in a row. They come here just for that. Are you kidding and me? And their their goal was to start a Bach Fest in San Francisco. Okay. And I was like, well, wait a second. Usually the people in the Midwest aren't you know cool enough to yeah you know to have their culture go to the West Coast, but uh, happens. So yeah, they're just like, oh man, the people would eat this up. It's like yeah, but how do you explain that? Like monks and goats and beers and you got to have that Germanic. <laughs> core to a degree you know and if you, if you can sell that you're there yeah. but it is a hard tale to spin I, I i finally got it down i think so yeah but yeah lebowski there must, be, there must Leba be ten thousand people there oh yeah i'm <laughs> glad they finally opened it up because yeah. i didn't actually know they were having the sausage queen finals in that other part of the building i'm waiting uh, for the hot magnolias one of my favorite local bands at very new orleans straight good guys to get off the stage because I was there to support my queen because Sherry's been marching in the Bocking Dead with us since year two. And she's an old, old friend from my past. She used to date my late brother and it's just kind of weird. So someone said, aren't you going to go, aren't you supposed to be in the other room to, you know, be with the Sausage Queen thing? I'm like, what other room? And I like bribed the, the people in the front line. I paid them like 10 bucks so we could just cut. And the people running the event were really pissed. And uh, so we got in there last minute, and uh, yeah, because it was to capacity, they weren't letting anybody ooh, else in there. They weren't. They weren't. But um, I was gonna say Lebowski Fest, which is national, started in Louisville. I don't know if you know that. Yeah. Yeah. So things can come out of here. That's true. You know. Yeah, I didn't even understand the whole Bach thing. I think I remember from when I was a kid in Cleveland, Strohs would bring out their Bach beer. Yeah. And they had the commercial, the two Rams running into each other. Yeah. And that's all I know. I don't even know yeah. what Bach beer is. I don't know what, why in the spring do we have Bach Fest? Yeah. Do you still need an explanation? Yeah, I do need it. Yeah. Okay, so I'll, I'll put that out there. So apparently back in the Lenten times, way, way back 100 years ago, the German monks, and I'm not sure where in Germany, but to get through the lean fasting period of Lent, they would they would brew this really strong Bach beer. And this is all they would do. They would survive on Bach beer. And I believe the goats came in because they would transport the barrels, you know, in a cart, and then they would, were pulled by goats. It's as simple as that. And I think that's where the Bach is, is German for goat. Okay. Well, okay. What, is it like a hardier beer? Does it have like more? Yes, it's a hardier, and, stuff, and that's what kept them going through the. Yes. Okay. And drunker. Okay. It's <laughs> you, all strong. Oh, you go down, have a few Bach beers, and as I like to say, you're bocked up wow. for the whole night. Yeah. I've never had a Bach beer before. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. No, it's it's not to everyone's liking. Is it like an IPA? Is it like a stout? What's it? It's a, it's. I think it's in the Dunkel kind of category. Just a heavy malty. Hmm. High alcohol. It's. Uh, I, I think they're tasty. You're you're on the fence. You like it or you don't. Uh, yeah. So we played there, and one of the guys in the band's not much of a beer drinker. He's like, "Ow, this is the worst beer ever." I'm like, hmm. "I'm on my third. Yep, sure is." <laughs> <laughs> so we're still in box season as we're recording here in late March, depending on this, right? It's, Somewhat. It's a, yeah, we had. Does it go to Easter? I, I technically I would. Well, if you're involved in this whole Lenten aspect, so I guess. It does. So once Easter comes around, the season's over. You can still find Bach beer out there, but you know, hmm. Bach Fest was, is always the first first weekend in March. 
The okay. parade's always the first Regardless Friday. of when Easter falls. Regardless. Okay. So this year was horrible for me because I had, I was already into the throes of Mardi Gras, interrupted by Bachfest weekend, and then the following Tuesday was was Fat Tuesday. So I was just, um, I've been drying out ever since then <laughs> until last night. It's was Oberon Day yesterday. I don't even know what that is. I've heard of that. What is? So Bell's Brewery in Michigan, they make a very popular beer called Oberon. And if you're in the town of Plainwell, or actually Comstock, Michigan, where they make it, it, it's like opening day here. The place just shuts down, and they drink this stuff all day. And actually, there are about six bars that had release parties yesterday around town. We went to um, uh, Key, Keystone in Covington and got the swag and all that. It's kind of rite of passage for my wife and I, and we've got a family home up in Michigan. So anytime we drive up that way, it's not really the handiest to stop at Bill's Eccentric Cafe. It's there where they have all their taps and it's amazing compass complex sorry they've got like a stage and uh gift shop and um so yeah so yeah yesterday was oberon day so a little too much oberon yesterday so you're a big beer guy i take it yeah i don't want to be because it's just yeah i hear you yeah yeah there's too many good ones right under our nose oh they're all it's it's awful to the point where we had this discussion with uh, the guys from listerman it's like why do people waste their time on like Bud Light and stuff like that, and he just sort and goes, alcohol delivery system. <laughs> That's yeah. all it is for them. They don't really appreciate the, you know. They're, they're yeah, they're into that, they're into domestics, and they're not in the craft. You know, you're on one side or another. Now, that's not to say I don't like, I don't mind, like, a nice cold Bud Light. You know, it's really hot out. And when we're playing places, they'll typically put a tub out if it's always some kind of light. Well, yeah, beer. yeah. I mean, so that's, that's fine sure <laughs> that's fine and dandy that's why i'm so. a big fan of the braxton garage beer because it it mimics bush light yeah i mean it's yeah, just like yeah. a, oh man this is yeah this is what i want so you can drink local that being said i'm a big storm guy too that, and that's uh, by their that, 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 they call their gateway beer into the, the right craft, so yeah so i'm not i'm not really that adventurous but i do like a, a full flavored beer well, every brewer worth their salt has got something that's more accessible. Like, I live in Bellevue, yeah. and we've got Darkness Brewing, which is probably one of my favorite breweries in town. Oh, very adventurous. Where's it at? It's, it's all dark beers. I've never yeah. been there, but... I've well, you know, they started out that way, and they were even making, like, dark versions of light beers, and they've kind of... I don't know how they're doing their brand. They've kind of gotten away from that. And they've got a, an actual light ale called... It's called the Bellevue... Bellevue Common, I believe. And that's what my, my wife always gets. It's a pretty straight-ahead lager. Not an ale, a lager. And uh, it's light and, you know, it's drinkable. But I had, they made a, a beer for St. Patty's Day that actually had potatoes in it. And you, uh. you couldn't really taste it, but it was really good. They're really good at adventurous beers. It's a, I think that's what throws people about them, like, they'll have coconut in there. They'll, um, mm. beets. They'll put beets in for coloring, and it's... I, I have not had one bad beer there. And, of course, it's right around the corner nice. for me, so... There you go. Yeah. <laughs> Life in Bellevue is good? Life in Bellevue is good. It's uh, downtown near and cheaper. Ever eat the Purple Poulet? I have, just once. And I'm sad I haven't eaten there more yeah. often. I had the fried chicken, too. Shout, yes, shout out to the to Purple Poulet. Yep, yep, good <laughs> stuff. Well, my wife actually lived in 
New Orleans, and I'm saying it right for her, for eight years. She oh. got her master's down there and lived and um, got into the culture. And, um, yeah, my daughter loves it. Oh, where's she, is she at? She well, no, she's at NKU. But oh, we um, okay. Uh, for her 21st birthday, it was always going to be Las Vegas, and then a couple of years ago, we went down to visit my brother-in-law's family in Texas. And Hannah said, "Well, can we go through New Orleans on the way home? I've always wanted to see it." We're like, "Ah, sure." Only went there for the afternoon. She fell in love with it. She goes, "My 21st birthday's here. It's not Las Vegas anymore." And we went down for her 21st birthday last. That's cool. Year, and she loved it. Yeah, stayed in the Garden District. Nice. It was a in the garden district. Garden district. It was a blast. Stayed in a. You remember I sent you guys the pictures. I was editing the uh, our second ghost uh, ghost of Cincinnati episode. Right, right. In a house that allegedly was haunted. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So. Uh, yeah. Yeah, New Orleans is great. Yeah, so it was a lot of fun. There's well, a co- there was a coffee was shop. Leads. Right, coffee shop was properly uh, next door to us, so I could go over there and work. Too and do that, you know, get my cafe au lait and work like a real artist. And, yeah, yeah, uh, it's great. I, I went down there once in '92, and then uh, four years ago, went three years ago with my with my wife, and she went back to her, like the old gym at Tulane where she worked out, oh, and yeah. her first house, and um, so uh, she met a Cajun boy down there, and brought him to Cincinnati, and they got married, and that's and they had two kids, and I feel bad for the guy because it's like. You brought him to Cincinnati, uh-huh. and he's still here. He's a good guy. He's a lawyer, and he's, you know. But I just remember he was very much in the, into the in the cuisine. You know, being from basically his family is got like a home like in the bayou, oh. a little oil field going on and stuff. So properly he, Cajun. Yes, yes, but the the food was shocking. I remember like. Jamie's mom was giving a big breakfast, like, and it was just like bagels, and he's just used to it. <laughs> this is not a breakfast. No. <laughs> so, um, a French speaker? I don't know. I was reading the story. Uh, I read this <clears throat> book about the United States Football League right now, called Football for a Buck, and they're talking about Bobby Abear was the quarterback for the Michigan Panthers, and he was from Louisiana, and so he was from way south in New Orleans, in the Bayou, and so thick was his accent that they couldn't understand what he said in the huddle. No <laughs> players. <laughs> And they got a player from uh, University of Georgia to who translate. was at least was Southern. And he said, I could translate in the huddle. Bobby would call the play, and they'd all look at me, and they'd, and then I'd translate and say what he wanted. And uh, wow. listen to Bobby Bear now. There's a, a documentary that um, they made, uh, who killed Small Potatoes, who killed the USFL. They interview him. It's gotten better. You can understand them. Yeah. You can imagine. This kid just fresh out of the bayou, you know. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's it's hard to decipher if they've got it going on thick. Yeah. Uh, no, he's, he's, you, you couldn't even tell he's from the area by talking to him. No, uh, you can tell by looking at him. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So, uh, but, um, yeah. I love New Orleans. Yeah. Good call. Tell your daughter. Good All call. Right. <laughs> All right, man. Well, uh, what we do at the end of the show is we have our uh, guest pick a, uh, a word or phrase that we'll use as a coupon code, and then they can save 20%. At Cincy Shirts or our sister site, Old School Shirts. Okay. So, Kyle, what one word would you want that to be? Or a couple words I can. Mm. Do, do, do you have a preference on no. what kind of word it should no, be? Nope. All, all shapes I and know sizes. What I, would pick, but I will not lie, I don't want to influence the jury. So. <laughs> I guess it should relate to me somehow. Yeah, absolutely. I guess since I'm the guest. Well, there are a couple of things I think now that we've, all the things we've discussed. Yeah, he's. Oh, let's just let's just go with birdhouse. Yes, yes. Yeah. that's gonna be serendipity. Yeah, yeah, yeah. serendipitous for sure. Do with two yeah. words. Yeah, yeah. There you go. Hey, yeah. Can people? I looked on Spotify. It's not on Spotify. No, we gotta get that sorted. No, we left. I, yeah, we gotta figure that out. I know. It's just I'm always moving ahead, and since I've had so many bands since yeah, yeah. then, not. Um, 
Yeah, it's put I, it out in the world. If, if, if the, the only thing I could find out there these days is uh, uh, Gravy. We were really fortunate to be on a compilation album that was a tribute to King's Records. Do you oh, know yeah, about yeah. this? Yeah, I have, I have that. Yeah, um, yeah. Uh, Gary Burbank was involved in that. Yes, yes, yeah, he yeah. was. So we had like Bootsy, Peter Frampton. Yeah. In fact, inside, I'm always proud of the the, the liner photographs is a picture of Frampton in the studio and right underneath it it's a picture of me in the studio it's like all right me and, me and Peter you've arrived yeah <laughs> but that I can find and I'm, I've been trying to align the Mayerson Foundation's inclusion network which produced that with all these efforts right now that are working on King's Records I just can't get the synergy going and I just hmm. you know I left it in their hands because it's like put it out again it's you know I think it's pretty good CD it's interesting you know, to hear all the music that was first recorded King Records. Yeah. It's just kind of like, wow, that? It's like, weird. What song do you guys do? We did The Twist. Oh, there you go. Yeah. That's Hank right. Ballard. I have it somewhere in my CDs. I digitized everything, but they're still in my, under my stairs in the basement. So yeah. I'm going to dig that out. And I haven't done that. I still have a car with a CD player. And then uh, my youngest, Same I gave us. him my old 98. Now he's got a CD player, so now he's like, now he's getting into CDs. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. I remember the CD player when they first came out for the cars where you had to put the cassette tape in your Oh, yeah. Cassette. yeah. It had the yeah. string that right. attached to the CD player. Yep. Good times. Every time you'd hit a, you know, uh, pothole, it uh, yeah. skip. Yeah, and yeah. Then anti-shock protection came out. In-dash CD Man. player. Cassettes are coming back. you believe that? Sales? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've seen that, yeah. Yeah. Ridiculous. I mean, photographs are just taken Pass. off. Pass. I know, but it's... it's it's. My friend Pat Francis says, let me go put this record on, then walk across the room and turn it over when I want to listen to it. No. Do I have time for a quick like story yeah, yeah. about that? Yeah, go for it. So I had a friend over, and she had uh, her two daughters with her, who were like, I guess, teenagers, like mid to late teens, and the little, little, the little teen found... I had a record, we were playing records, drinking and stuff and all that, and uh, having a little dinner or whatever. So she finds, you know, Thriller, I'll just say Thriller, and, and slaps it on. She's playing it, she's dancing, and then it ends. So she comes over to me at the album, she goes, Greg, it's done playing, but there's these other half the songs. It didn't play them. And I went... And flipped it over and said, here you go. Uh, She's, oh. What? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. My, my uh, 14-year-old is into, uh, no, 15 now, is into uh, vinyl. Yeah. Buying the vinyl. Yeah. So I have a bunch of, like, stuff in the basement that I couldn't get on CD, so I still have those. She has no interest in them. <laughs> I have all mine. All my OMD 12 inches. Oh, I sold all my albums back when I got them on CD. I mean, I yeah. didn't need two copies of them. Yeah. 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 So, Interesting. What are you Anyway, well, uh, that's the word, Birdhouse. So, uh, do I say thank you for having me? Yeah, sure. Yeah. yeah. Thanks Go for having me. It's terrific. And uh, anything you want to promote? Yeah. Like, uh, social media. Social or media. Where you at? Yeah. Well, my site's relaunching, which is gregmartini.com. That'll be up soon, and that'll have mostly. It's probably a little more day job related, but I'm hoping to spin off into some other things. And when the poppycocks are out and we're doing whatever we're doing. That'll be out, and that'll be me pushing out anything else that I haven't pushed out in the last 20 years, honestly, and then some new stuff. So we'll see where that goes. Uh, G your band is on Facebook, and your G son's band again is called. Give them a shout. Oh yes, Vandalia, That's like right. the town in Ohio. G 
check where them the out. Where the Dayton Airport is. Hmm? Where the Dayton Airport is. Is it? Yes. Okay. Yeah, I didn't know that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. They just <laughs> picked it, like, out of the ether. Huh. That's how they're doing things these days. That's these yeah. kids today with their ether and their picking stuff. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and they're out. Uh, they'll be at Top Cuts every now and then. They do a lot of house parties. But uh, oh, there you go. there's that. Um, I should give a shout out to Rotondo Fascaldo Films, which is a new venture I've begun. And my L.A.-based film partner, I guess I can mention her name. Sure. Uh, Lauren Pompilio. Uh very, very smart, engaging woman. She's part of the Pompilio family, the restaurant in Newport. Yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. They sold it before the whole Rain Man thing took off, but uh, we've gotten together. She was in town kind of temporarily for a couple of years, and she's back in L.A. now, and we're trying to... Uh, we have a pitch package put together for a docu-drama we want to put out to one of the streaming services about Newport. The Sin City aspect. It's oh, been nice. done, in, done in little documentaries, but we want to dramatize it. And we've done some pre-production interviews with amazing people from back in the Vice days, back in the gambling days, um, and uh, a lot of people from the Beverly Hills oh, yeah, um, yeah. tragedy. So, uh, yeah, we were, wow. we were about ready to uh, meet with Mr. Nick Clooney because he was covering the fire famously. Yeah. And um, we had dinner set up with him and there was a bit of a family emergency so that was put off. Hopefully when she's back in town again, we might get with him and get our final pre-production interview. Oh, sounds awesome. Well, he's such a super nice guy. Have you ever met him? No. Just, just, just so nice. And being a, you know, a kid of the 70s, remember his show and my wife and I were cycling out to Augusta and he, that's where he lives. He's born in Maysville. So we're, we just pulled up to the gas station to get like a brew water ourselves with a soda because we just biked three or half hours. And he rolls up in his car. And he gets out and he's parked at the pump and he's going to go get something. Like, I got to say hi. Because I've met him a couple times through like uh, some student thing here and there. And I just said, hey, I just want to just want to say hi. Didn't mean to interrupt you. Just a big fan. <laughs> <laughs> And he asked how he's doing, and he always has this answer, which is, uh, better than I deserve to be. <laughs> and what's weird is, like a month later, and, and he pulls out, and we're sitting on the curb, he gives us the old friendly honk, you know, like, oh, that's cool. And uh, so a month later, apparently, is when Letterman went down there to film... Oh, yeah, that, when George was on his show. Yeah, when yeah. he had George Clooney on, and he, he spent like a day in Augusta with George's parents, and the kid that they sponsored and brought over from... I was mom Syria or something, so it was really weird because that was just so cool to see Letterman trot on down to Augusta and walk around with the Clooney's. Yeah, yeah. So uh, the house is just full of photos. Oh my god, like it was... it's a little hoardy. Yeah, <laughs> it's like you know. On the second watching, I really noticed it's on the ceilings. It's on every nook and cranny, and. Uh, yeah. But, uh, 1800s or something. Yeah, but. but apparently he and Rosemary and Betty have some stories from Newport when they were younger that he said would be great even to share. I'm like, cool. Just want to 
Yeah, the dinner the with the <laughs> yeah, there right. you go. We'll dinner with the Nixter, so we'll see. <laughs> well, great, man. All right. Glad things are really going well for you. And well, thanks. We'll, we'll follow all your pursuits, and right. uh, we'll have to have you back again to talk about uh, urban archaeology, which we didn't even touch on. Oh, yes, yeah. yes. So we'll do we, that. We didn't touch on the subway. No. We didn't touch on the urban aspects of Sasquatch, which I would love to share. Oh, that's, yeah, we should definitely do. Bring you and Ronnie oh, Salerno man. in. We're not far from an area where I'm pretty sure there's something going on, and I, I work with a couple of online groups. One's an international group, and I've shared the stuff. And if I hadn't found, put it out there, if I hadn't found a big bear footprint and a broken off deer leg, I would not be sharing the story. But there's something going on. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so we'll definitely have you back to discuss that. Dun, dun, dun. And uh, yeah, great man. Well, well thanks for having me. Uh, great to be here in Cincy Shirtsville. This is I I, I got to tell you, you you've seen these guys and all the media, but you got to get out to to see the store. It's just you need like a little snack bar. You need a break because your brain gets tired. Yeah, like, you know. Like Ikea, like how... Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Throw some kids in the basement. We're actually yeah. working on that, so maybe we'll, we'll let you know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. All right. Well, well thanks, well, man. Well, thank you. Appreciate it. Quarry me, dig me up, mind my manners. Dig me up from the cold ground. Dust me off and drag me round. Quarry me, dig me up. You can do so just a grin Bring me off from the cold ground And let me in To your world Greg Martini that tune there, coming out of the interview, by the way, is a song called Quarry Me, and that was written by Greg, although Jeff did most of the writing in Birdhouse. Uh, Greg was known to pen a catchy tune or two, and there's one of them for you. So as promised, here is that Skyline commercial from the mid-90s. And here is Wild Cherry. I'm going to pick it up right from where Greg does the fill to really get into the song. Skyline Chili Jingle, Wild Cherry by Birdhouse. What do you reckon? My favorite chili, I'm having fun. If I would see you sitting across the crowded room, I wouldn't think you'd be the kind of weird a broom. Would you go? Would that smell on me? You can find, G, your band smells terrific, Greg's current band, 
at gyourband.com. And you can also find them on Facebook. I know that because uh, I've liked their page. And uh, Greg will have his website back up soon. He's hoping just gregmartini.com. Greg is with two Gs, by the way. He has one of those. Boy, I wish there was some way I could uh, get serendipity due in your guys' hands. The uh, Birdhouse album, like I said, 21 tracks, not a dud in the lot. Yeah, I guess if you're ever in one of the used uh, CD bins around the uh, in some of our local record shops and you find that, well, consider yourselves lucky at a, as a recommended immediate purchase. And who knows, maybe we'll start Cincy Shirts Records and release some of these great old uh, CDs from some of these artists back in the 80s and 90s. How about that? So anyway, if you haven't already, go back and plunder the Cincy Shirts podcast archives. Lots of great episodes there. Of course, Matt Bischoff from Survivor, Gold Star CEO Roger David, Bill Donabedian, the guy that founded Bunbury, John Keyswetter off of TV Reviews, Amy Yazbeck, actress off of TV and movies. Just tons and tons of great stuff back there. If you haven't already, go back and listen to them all. And if there's uh, someone you'd like to hear on the podcast, why just drop us an email, info at Cincy Shirts, and put podcast guest in the subject line. Be sure to tell your friends and loved ones about the show, including folks who may no longer live in the area but still feel connected to the tri-state. Maybe they went to school here or used to work here or something like that. Today's show is produced by me, with help from Josh and Darren. Our theme music is Cincinnati by Big Nothing. They are from Philadelphia. And you can find their music on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever else you get your music. And find vintage tees from places like Philadelphia, Boston, Phoenix, Pittsburgh, Cleveland, Louisville, Seattle, and loads more at OldSchoolShirts.com. Got a lot of defunct sports teams, old shopping centers, restaurants, radio stations, and so on, just like we do for Cincy Shirts, but for those towns. And in case you missed it, the promo code for this week's episode is Birdhouse. Ha ha, I'll pick that. Uh, birdhouse, all one word, uppercase, lowercase, upper and lowercase, alternating, doesn't matter. It'll all work the same way. Use that to take 20% off your entire CincyShirts.com order or OldSchoolShirts.com order. Or you can use the code in our physical, or as we say in the biz, brick and mortar stores in Over the Rhine, Hyde Park, and Loveland. Follow our social channels, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and Snapchat for the latest Cincy Shirts news. Again, tell your friends about the show. Give us a review wherever you get the show from. And as always, download or stream us next time. Bye. I said goodbye